Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of our podcast, Is Breakfast Included? Today on the show, I had the pleasure of sitting down with my friend Greg Howard. Greg is a guitar tech based out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, he tells us a little bit about when he got started and a few of the bands he worked for. We talk about his current gig, which is Brad Whitford's Guitar Tech. He's been Brad's tech for a little over 20 years. And he's also the co-owner of Three Monkey Solderless. They make these really cool cables, um, power cables and patch cables for pedal boards. We get into that. Tells a few stories. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed spending time with them. We spent the whole day together, and then we sat down and did this podcast. Let's check it out. You ready? Yeah. All right. Tell everyone who you are. Uh, I'm Greg Howard, and I've been a roadie for 25-plus years. A roadie. A roadie. Normally, a it's tech. like, I'm a guitar tech. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I a like freaking roadie. Yeah, we're roadies, all right? Uh, I mean, who, wait, what? What year did you start and what band did you start with? So I started in kind of like part-time in like the early 90s. Um, I worked a little bit for Cry of Love and a band called DAG, and that was all local, um, Raleigh, North Carolina. They were both Raleigh bands that were on, um, eventually on Columbia. Um, But I started like in earnest in like 96. And it was kind of late, you know, I was in my 30s. but I'd always worked in like music stores and record stores. And so I was always and played in bands. And so I knew a lot, you know, knew a lot of musicians, hung around with a lot of musicians, went to a lot of shows. So, but like 96, um, I did some one-offs with DAG um, in the summer. And then God, I guess it was the fall of 96. Um, so my neighbor was a tour manager. He tour managed Cry of Love and the Squirrel Nut Zippers and a few other people. His name's Bob Davis. Yeah. Um, you know, came, became a, a tour accountant before he retired. Uh, worked with a lot of big bands. Um, but anyway, so he's like a next door neighbor. So one day he's like knocks on my door, you know, pre-cell phone. And um, he's like, hey, man, you want to work for King's X? And I was like, oh, man, I love those guys, you know. And he's like, here. And he hands me his phone cord, which is like 100 feet long, you know, like landline cord. From his house. From his house, you know, <laughs> to, across to my apartment. And I'm like, hello. And it's and it was their production manager who was also their lighting guy, um, this guy Garrett Rents. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, you know, I need you to come out and tech for Ty. I'm like, okay. He's like, oh, you know, we'll send you a plane ticket and, you know, pay you like 500 bucks a week or whatever it was. And I was just like, okay. I was working in a in a printing place, so. That's that was my first tour. It was a it was a bus tour. Um, what year was that again? Nineteen ninety six. So it was fall of ninety six, um, and it was on a forty foot eagle with us and the band the band the Galactic Cowboys ah, um, yeah. was our opener. Um, so it was Space us. In your face. So it was band <laughs> crew and opening band all on a you know twelve dudes on a forty foot eagle. So that um, was after the their Atlantic debut. That was the Dogman. Yeah, so this was, no, this was Ear Candy. Oh, okay. So they were managed by, at the time, King's X was managed by um, Rush's manager, who's also Van Halen's manager. Um, and the day we left, so we went and did rehearsals in Houston, and the day we left for the tour, Atlantic dropped them. And so they're like, oh, they're on our tour support. So, I mean, we went out for... I don't know, a month, six weeks, uh, maybe less even. Um, but yeah, that's how I, that's how I got started. I, bu- I built this kind of stupid, large work box. Um, and I never really flown hardly at all. So like, like I tried to like carry on this 
big work box and they were like, Hey man, you, you got to check that, man. You can't, you know, <laughs> try to take it through security, you know, pre nine 11 and shit. It was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so I worked for them and then, um, you know, came back home and like a couple of weeks later, Garrett, the guy from King's X called me and he's, he was out on Manson. He was mm-hmm. lighting and, uh, did a little bit of production for Manson. And he's like, you know, he's like, Hey, our, our opening band, this band called New York Loose that was on Hollywood Records. He's like, hey, our opening band needs a needs a tech. I need you know come you know, I need you to fly out like tomorrow. So I was like, oh uh, okay. So went out you know another bus tour, um, and as they say, the rest is history. You know, like later on, like so that was all ninety six, ninety seven. I went back to work for Cry of Love on their second record, mm-hmm. um, and that was a van and a truck tour. So we had like a box truck, me and the um front of house guy were like the only two like crew guys and then bob davis was the tour manager he drove the band around um um in the van and then we followed them in the box truck with all the gear that second album with cry love that was not with the original singer so that was robert mason okay who was who sang for um uh lynch mob and he's now the singer for warrant has been for Okay. Like probably 10 years now. Yeah. Oh, it may be more than that. Great singer. Great, great oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, great yeah. singer. Great guitar player. Um, I had another question and, and you, you, you jogged my memory, but, uh, I got started late in this business. I was in my thirties. Right. And, and like you said, like it just happens. And I, I was very fortunate. I started on a bus too. Right. Uh, once you're on a bus and then you go to a van that, that to me is refreshing sometimes when I right, go to a van right. and it's out the opposite. If you started in a van, you go yeah. to a bus and then you go back to a van, you're just hating it. Yeah. Uh, have you always been on bus tours? No. Um, so after that, after that 90, that cry of love in 97, um, same thing with them. Like the record company wasn't really backing them. And, uh, eventually they just called it quits. Yeah. Um, and I went back home and I was working this, like printing job i was like um typesetting business cards and my 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 boss was like super cool he was like you know just come in and work i would like work like i could work four hours a day if i wanted to i'd just go in and it was like mind numbing because it's just basically just no design it's just you're just putting words on a computer page you uh-huh. know, to, to make these business cards and adding clip art or something but he would let me work as much as i wanted and whenever i went out on tour he's like yeah man just call me when you get back in town so that's what I do, you know, in, uh, on time, you know, when I was time at home and, um, I got a call from, um, front of house guy who worked with dag, um, Reggie Griffin. Uh, and he, uh, asked me to go work for Chris Whitley. Uh, you know, and again, I was like a pretty good, you know, pretty, pretty big fan of Chris's, mm-hmm. you know, he was, and he was on, he was on Sony work, you know, so, but that was another, that was a van tour. You know, that was a, that was a bunch of dudes in a van with a trailer behind, you know, yeah. band and crew. Um, but you know, it was cool and, and I didn't mind that. And then, you know, after that, um, I went back to, I went, I think I went back to DAG in 98 and I was the tour manager on DAG and backline guy. So I did bass and guitar. Our monitor guy would set up the keys and the, um, and our front house guy would set up the drums. Um, and then I would tech the show. Like, so if the, you know, I, I would tech the the drummer during the show mm-hmm. if the monitor guy was too busy. Um, and that was another van tour. Um, and then they got kind of dropped and I was at a club one night and got a phone call from Andy Gould, 
management who um, who I knew from New York Loose, and they're like, "Hey, we need somebody to tour manage, you know, Monster Magnet, yeah. you know, just for like a week until the we, the guy we hired can come out." And I'm like, uh, "Okay, you know." So I go out on that, and um, I'm there, and their guitar tech wasn't working out. So they were like, man, we got to find a guitar tech. And I was like over there, like raising my hand, like, uh, exactly. Actually, that's what I do. I'm not really a tour manager. You know, I'm like, I knew how to like, you know, use the computer and, you know, settle um, and make all that, do all that shit. But, um, so, um, the new tour manager came in, this guy, Brad Divins, who, um, used to front a band called Ratchild America and also Souls of Zero, who mm. I knew. I knew him from Souls of Zero, but my band opened for that. Yeah. Um, I know Brad And then he became well. a lifelong friend, you know, yeah. really close friend, and we did a lot of tours together. Um, but yeah, I just stayed with Monster Magnet as the guitar tech, and then we were, you know, it was a bus tour, and we were out, and eventually out opening for Manson again. Yeah. So like, I would literally worked for the opener on Manson for like four tours, like four separate tours. Um, and then... Uh, Back when I worked for New York Loose in 96, I showed up at the gig and like stage left. What None of the shit was set up in Tampa at Janice Landing. And I walked in the production office and there's my buddy Garrett's in there. He goes, hey, jackass, go out there and set that shit up. You know, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the guitar tech has appendix had burst. And so there, so I teched both bands for like a week, including a big arena show in like Miami. Wow. Um, and I had to do keys and guitars and the keyboard player just liked to break shit you know he would just break a keyboard across his knee and just like look at you like hey give me another one serve it up you know so i'm like all right whatever so uh king's x dag cry love at at, at one point did bands quit hiring you because they'd get dropped as soon as you well that's that was the thing i people used to people i get a call i get a phone call and i started asking like what label are you on? Cause same thing with Chris Whitley. He got dropped. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what label are you on? I'm like, if you're on a CBS label, if you're on Columbia or Sony work, if you're on a Sony label, I'm like, you may not want to hire me. I think I'm a bad luck charm, you know? Um, but yeah, it was kind of like that. Yeah. It was pretty funny, but I worked for a bunch of bands. Uh, I worked for Remy zero. Um, I worked for the verve pipe, um, in the nineties. I worked for machine head. Um, I worked for sister Hazel. Um, Ended up working for Hootie and the Blowfish, which were guys I had known since my 20s, you know. Because they're band, from that area, right? Yeah, well, they're from South Carolina, and I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. And um, we played the same circuit. We played all the same frats and, with my band. And we would, um, you know, open for them where they were popular and the clubs they were popular at. Like, we'd go down to Columbia, South Carolina. We'd sleep on their floor. I used to sleep on Darius and Dean's floor. Um, and then we got them into clubs that didn't like pop bands. We were kind of like a... I don't know. We were kind of power pop REM ish, yeah. you know, pursuit of happiness, that kind of thing. But, um, I remember this one cl- famous club, the cat's cradle in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. They hated he, Frank, the guy that owns it, still owns it. Um, hated pop bands. So he would never book Hootie. And, uh, <coughs> um, he would, uh, so Hootie opened for us at the cat's cradle, even though they were kind of bigger than us, but I can always say, you know, Hootie and the blowfish open for my band, whatever. <laughs> but I ended up teching for them off and on, um, for a few years, just different, different, you know, I'd tech for Darius or and Dean, or I'd tech for Mark. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they're friends today. And I ended up teching Darius's country thing. Yeah. So, 
Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. you know, uh, I, I, I started in the country world right before he, um, right before he started his, uh, his country career. I, I had started in the country world and I heard a rumor that he turned in his, his album, his country album. And the label was like, that's too country. Right. So he had to write. Right. <laughs> well, he did a soul record. Um, while he was still in Hootie, while, while was, Hootie was still going on, or they maybe had taken a break or something, and it was actually really good. Yeah, no, I'd seen him. Uh, some friends of mine were opening for him in Connecticut, and I, I went to see them, and I watched the show, and I just couldn't believe like the guy that used to front Hootie and the Blowfish had a arena of country right, fans right, just singing. Right. Well, every- so when I was out with Hootie, we had a night off in Greenville, South Carolina. And, uh, like at the hotel we were staying at, he fronted the Frank Sinatra orchestra one night. Cause he had literally played Frank's like 80th birthday mm-hmm. or something. And he was Frank's favorite of all the people that came and like played and yeah. celebrated Frank's birthday. Well, he fronted the Frank Sinatra orchestra. So he's doing all this crooner stuff and it was amazing. And I just went up to him afterwards. I'm like, D I'm like, what the hell? And he just looked at me and he just shrugged his shoulders. I and mean, that guy is so musical. Yeah. And is into everything. Yeah, he's super um, talented, super humble. You know, too. super talented. And then um, and it's funny, I was out, I remember out teching on his country thing, and he came to soundcheck one day. And I remember the keyboard player asked something like, you know, he's like, Hey Darius, how long have you and Greg known each other? And he looked at me and I just kind of mouthed, you know, like 25 years or something. And he was like, What? Son of a bitch. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, what was the first like big big gig you 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 landed in? You know, like like that you're like people that like I say posters on the wall. Right. right. Well, um, it's funny. I so I worked for Lincoln Park on their first tour, uh-huh. and we did. You know, it was almost all festivals. Started on Ozfest, and then ended up on uh, Family Values, and then ended up on their own thing. You know, the um, Project Revolution. You know, headlining arenas and stuff. You know, and. Uh, I kind of retired. It was like 2001, 2002. I kind of retired. Um, and I got a phone call one day from uh, Jimmy Archie, my Gibson guitar rep. And he goes, hey, man, he goes, my buddy from Aerosmith's going to call you, you know, and ask you to tech for Brad Whitford. I think you should do it. And I'm like, uh, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah. So Jim Service, who was Joe Perry's guy and also the Aerosmith's, you know, long time like year round guy um, did all the studio stuff, you know, since the nineties um, calls me and he was like, and I had sold him a pedal board, like cause I had a pedal board company at the time and I had sold him a pedal board, like a month before or something. He goes, Oh, here you guitar tech. And I go, yeah, I told you that when we talked before, which <laughs> I forgot, you know, but he's like, yeah, you know, and I was like, he's like, yeah, we need somebody for Brad. And I was like, man, um, I'm kind of retired, you know? So I turned it down. And then, so I called my wife at work. And she's like, what? Can you call him back? And I go, what do you mean? She goes, you should do that. And I'm like, all right. So I called him back and he's like, I'm like, hey man, I, I, I kind of changed my mind. He's like, well, we haven't found anybody. And, you know, you come highly recommended from, from Jimmy, from Gibson. So, um, that's, I started, uh, working for Brad in July of 2002. Wow. Um, so that was, you know, to me, that was like the big, you know, the big band, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, here 20 years later, I'm still working for Brad, you know, I've come and gone, I've left and done, yeah. 
um, you know, other bands. I've done Green Day. Yeah. I did ACDC. Um, I can't remember where you and I met. If I met you at ACDC or if I met you when you were with Steely Dan. So Steely, what I remember is Steely Dan. So if, if you remember, we did Robert Downey Jr.'s yeah. 50th birthday um, in Burbank at a, in an airplane hangar. <laughs> And uh, Duran was on it, and Steely. Um, was there another band? I don't think. Okay, I don't remember. There was another band, yeah. but um, uh, that's where I remember meeting yeah. you. And uh, I mean, that was—I mean, that Steely Dan gig was—you know—that was another like dream gig for me. Yeah. Um, I took care of John Harrington, the guitar player, and Fr- uh, uh, Freddie Washington, the bass player. You know, and Freddie just gave him his—you know—four string at the beginning of the show and then he might play a five string you know and and john was the music director and he couldn't even do i couldn't even do guitar changes with him because it was so fast yeah so i just tune his guitars and put them out so like super easy gig i basically um helped my buddy dave rule who worked for walter you know because walter yeah. would have like 50 guitars out and then you just put them out on stands on the stage and yeah. walter would like in the middle of a song, look around and like point to one and he'd just kind of ra- wave his hand at you. And in the middle of the song, he would change guitars. <laughs> he was a nut. I love the guy, but he was a nut. Yeah, that's like my gig, man. Like I hand my guy a, a bass and and I just update my social media. Right, the right, right. <laughs> and that Every was, now and then yep. he'll want the five string, yep. but, uh, but it's pretty much he's a creature of habit right right yeah. and i, I work when I, I work for john oates um i work for hall and oates in 2006 and john was the same way it's like you put it a, a electric out and an acoustic and he even had an acoustic pickup on his strat so if he didn't have time to change because daryl would go about maybe three songs into the set before he just start calling stuff out he'd go right go completely off the set list mm-hmm. and so the only guitar change i had was if they did family man which was drop d yeah so like and it was just me on stage left and like i swear i almost i think i fell asleep during one of the shows because i'm mean, not that it was boring they were a great band but it was just like i had nothing to do you know yeah. um and then like with whitford right now um these last few vegas residencies would be done he just plays one les paul all night unless we do um a different tuning yeah. you know do drop d or something or open g on something and then we'll switch guitars and that kind of set, I think, can, can be uh, a blessing or a curse, right? Because I, I, I've, you know, you and I have worked together, uh, and I've noticed you like me. Like I'm always on alert, whether he's playing the same bass right, through the whole right. thing. But then there's that one night where you just walk in, like oh, I'm not gonna have to do anything, yeah. And that's the night they want, you know, right? To you to tap dance, for, right? Right. <laughs> pretty exactly. Much, exactly. You know? uh-huh. uh, what was it like working for ACDC? Really cool. Um, you that looked after was, Stevie, right? So I worked for Stevie. Um, but what happened was um, my buddy Trace Foster was out working for Stevie. Um, and they were pretty far into the um, Rocker Bus Tour in 2016. And I, they were in Australia. And everything went pear-shaped with Angus's guy. And I literally got a phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning from Trace. And he's like, you know, send me your resume right now. The band wants to look at it on the plane. And I was like, Oh, uh, okay. You know, I got up and shot him my resume. Um, I knew the production manager, Opie from Ozfest, And he called me a couple of days later and was like, Hey, you know, he goes, I'm going to hire you, but he goes, I can't, I don't know that you feel, you might be taking for Angus. You might be taking for Stevie. 
He's like, I don't know. He goes, you know, these guys are really nice guys, but he's like, you know, they, they like familiarity, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, so what happened was because Trace had been there already and Angus knew him, Trace moved over to Angus and I took over for Stevie. So it was like, what, what do you want? The easy guy or the easier guy? You know, because both of them, like Stevie played one guitar. Yeah, yeah. And the only time he, <coughs> the only time he switched guitars, we just changed guitars if he was out of tune or if Angus thought he was out of tune. And then it was, you know, the spare for one song and I'd get the, get the main one um, back in tune and, go right back to it yeah so but and that was a great tour you know big tour yeah um, and i was there with brian and then i was there when brian wasn't there and we started auditioning all these you know singers yeah, yeah. um and ended up with axel rose which was um not the best guy we auditioned you know <laughs> he's a great dude you know and he was the perfect he was the right guy for the for the gig because we were doing stadiums in europe yeah and those and those you know european audiences are you know pretty brutal especially acdc audiences they want their band you know yeah and you had to be able to control eighty thousand people which he can do um which some of the other guys we we auditioned would have probably struggled with you yeah know? some guys were unknown some guys were also known but not at that level yeah um and, and, I, and I know a guy from dallas Audition yeah, for you yeah, guys. He yeah. did, and he was good too. Yeah, he was good. Um, I th everybody we auditioned was good. We, one of them was a twenty-something-year-old kid from Raleigh that was in a um an ACDC uh, tribute band, and uh, he really sounded like Brian. He had struggled a little bit with the Bond stuff, but he really sounded like Brian. But he was shaking like a leaf. You know, he was the first guy we auditioned. He came <laughs> in. And he's like, and so the crew like we we kind of jammed a couple of songs with him. Yeah. Before you know, so he could get his monitors right and um. He was just like freaking out. And then, you know, and then the band comes in and, you know, Angus is like, you know, Oi, what you want to play? Because we'll play anything. And they let all those guys determine whatever they really? auditioned on. Yeah. Oh, man. I'd heard some stories about the auditions, but like I said, what you hear and yeah. what really happened. Yeah. You know. I thought uh, we auditioned uh, Nick Chester from uh, Jet. Oh, okay. Band, um, who I had known... So I worked for Green Day for five years, and when we toured Australia, Jet was our opener. And so I knew him from that, and I was also a fan yeah. um, of that band. And so it was fun seeing him, and he was probably the best singer. Um, but he really – he I, I don't think he wanted the gig. Like, he came in from his honeymoon to do the, to do the audition, you know. So his wife was pissed and, uh, but he's like, how can I not, you know? Right. And he had just like, I think he had just recorded like an R and B record or something and moved to Italy or, you know, he was kind of, you know, kind of sort of out of the business for a while. And then he was just coming back in, but he was great. Yeah. Well, man, uh, I like, like I said, I came into this business late like you, but I, you and I had crossed paths through the years. One thing when I Got the Aerosmith gig, which, well, when I was called to come right. uh, fill in for Aerosmith, one thing I knew about it was I was going to learn shit because you, unlike a lot of techs out there, are always open to like, hey, I'll show you whatever I know. Or yeah, there's yeah, an easier course. way. 
Is is it is that just in your nature to teach people when they ask you, or to to not look down on them and go like, "You dumbass! Yeah. How do you? What do you mean you can't do that?" Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I like I like I like learning stuff and I like teaching stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've learned. I try to learn from everybody that I work with. Like the other techs, you see somebody like stringing a guitar, and you're like, yeah. "Why are you doing it that way?" Yeah. Um. You know. Um. I remember when I, when I worked for the Verve Pipe. Um. AJ Dunning, the guitar player, and I basically did an experiment where we strang his guitars as many different ways as like you could, you know, with the, the knot and the rap and the yeah, over under, over under and all <laughs> And we figured out that the over under one wrap up, one wrap down on the wound strings and then one wrap up and multiple wraps down on the plain strings. Um, a made it easier to guitar to change strings. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you broke a string um, and it stayed just as in tune as doing the like wrap around knot thing, which yeah. I hate because I always like end up breaking it. And especially like the high E string, I like poke my finger oh. and I'm bleeding all over the guitar. And you get to change the string fast. Yeah. You're yeah. like, it's like you yeah. like you're untying your shoe, but you get a knot in it. Yeah. And then you're, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I, I learn stuff all the time. And some, and, and unfortunately, like sometimes I don't even remember who I learned it from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, I just like to, you know, I, like, I know we I had a guy when I was with you guys on Aerosmith, Brandon Jones, yeah, who we were always around his work box. Like, yeah. he, you know, he, he taught me numerous things on yeah. that, that I well, still use. You know, he's a full on luthier, yeah. you know? And so it's like, you can learn, especially I like, I always say, you know, I'm, you know, I think Jim service told me this. He was like, you know, we're just medics, you know, we're at, we're at like, we're at the mash unit, you know, we're not doctors, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's like, we're out in the field. He goes, we're just here to, you know, he's like, you know, I'm not a surgeon, you know, which I would consider like a luthier, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I know guys that'll cut a nut and, um, do, you know, completely reset up a guitar or whatever that are really good at, you know, but like a refret a guitar. I'm like, dude, I don't do that. You know, yeah. I'm like, I just, I just don't, you know, and, and especially I don't really have the tools to do it on the road. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, you're as good as your Rolodex, you know, if you're, if you, if you've got a guy that can do it and you're like, Hey man, you know, you ship it off to the dude and you know, I've got guys that I can call and you know, I can ship them a guitar and they can turn it around in 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, I try to know a guy in, in every major city, um, you were out with uh, Cheryl Crow last year, yep. And you did some shows with Isabel, but Isabel's guy, Michael Betancourt. I'll shout him out right now. Oh yeah, great dude. Uh, I know that someone brought Jason to Les Paul one day. We were in Texas, and the Les Paul, the Les Paul Forum guy, whatever, brought him a burst right. to play. And Jason was like, ah, "I don't like this about it," and he starts just tearing it apart. You know, an hour before the show, right. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I've got high anxiety watching right. him do that. Right. And, you know, it's not even my guy. Right. <laughs> so there's guys like that, 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 like you said, I've seen people cut a nut, you know, before the show. Right. And make it, it's that, that freaks me out. Yeah. I mean, I try not to do stuff like that, but if it, you know, if you have to, then you yeah. got to make it work. You know, yeah. if your guy says, you know, hey, I want to play this guitar tonight, and it's unplayable. Yeah, you make it as playable as as possible because you can. Yeah, you, you know, you know, you do it. You know, that's what you, you know. That's our job. Our job is to make our guys feel comfortable and make the gig easy for yeah. them. 
you know, people, I mean, people that don't know the, the business and stuff that, you know, will ask, you know, well, what is your, you know, what is your job? And, you know, it's almost like, oh, you're I mean, the I've guy that tunes. Say, yeah. And that's, we'll <laughs> say that, you know, or I'll be like, or, you know, I know guys that, you know, in our, that do our jobs that are like, you know, I'm a guitar butler, I'm the guitar janitor or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with, I mean, you're, you know, you're part kind of psychiatrist, you know, to, you know, if your guy has anxiety. Yeah. You're caddies. Yeah. Same, same thing. <laughs> You know, and, you know, you just, you don't want to, like, one thing I, like, if something happened, like, during the day, like, say, an amp blew up or something, and, and I fixed it for the show, I may or may not tell my dude about it, because I don't want him to f- have that in his brain, if I, right before the show, I, you know, because, like, with Aerosmith, they don't sound check or anything, yeah. so I only see him when he comes in, um, you know, usually from the plane, you know, an hour before the show, Yeah, but I don't want to rush and 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 go, Hey Brad, man. Uh, yeah. All your amps blew up today, you know? And then that's the way, that's the whole thing he's thinking about the whole show. Yeah. You know, yeah. They just, you know, you just don't do that. I mean, you, I just don't, you don't try to hide anything from, no, him, no. you know? Um, but, um, yeah, you just want to try to make it just as easy as possible. Um, you know, that's the, cause gig. it'll, a lot of people don't know. Um, like you said, we are part psychiatrists. Like it, it'll get in their head the smallest thing right and then they think about it through the whole show right. you know when it was it's really not a big deal yeah. but you know the worst thing i can tell my guy is hey we're having some rf issues here right oh man yeah <laughs> that and throws, then they're gonna hear it whether he starts it's there on or his not. back foot yeah you know from song one yeah and they're gonna hear it whether it's there or not <laughs> yeah you know, so yeah um, and so everything that goes wrong that night right. even if he's clamming it up right. on his plane he's gonna blame the rf issues exactly <laughs> uh what's what what uh we're gonna move on what what made you start three monkeys it started out as an amp company yep yep start so i kind of wanted to do something i kind of want to do something else you know i mean like i i love what we do but being away from home like you know six to eight months out of the year you know sometimes longer yeah um you know the last green day tour i did was like 22 months straight with like you know two week breaks here and there and mm. one of those was like 10 weeks in europe you know and it was that like i mean almost got a divorce over that one because th- that's a long yeah, time it is way. um and my wife doesn't know me doing anything else so um i kind of just wanted to do something else so i was like you know i thought about you know maybe starting a guitar company building guitars or um but I've always been interested in like electronics and stuff. So I was like, man, I, I, maybe an amp company. I was maybe because it was always boutique amps were starting out. And this is like 2006, 2007. And so I called, I had a lot of friends that built amps and I called Greg Germino from Germino amps. And he's like, Oh man, yeah, you should do it. I called Fred from divided by 13. He's like, Oh yeah, go ahead, man. You know yeah. I mean? These are people that would essentially be my competition, but they were very encouraging. Um, and I had bought some amps from a company called Blockhead in New York. Um, and so I, uh, Ossie, who was um, the guy that basically was a one-man shop who ran that business, I called him and I was like, hey, what do you think? And he's like, he goes, man, you should do it. He goes, you know what? He goes, why don't we do it together? And I'm like, wait, really? I'm like, because I was going to start from scratch you know yeah. i didn't really know much i mean i could do some amp repair but didn't know a whole lot and i'm like hey this guy knows everything yeah so he's like yeah let's maybe we should do something together so we started talking about it and um 
so Brad was moving houses um, up in the Massachusetts area, and it was right around the time Ozzy and I were talking. So Ozzy's like, "Well, I'm going to drive up because he had driven up to you know uh, drop off some amps one time before." He goes, "Hey, I'll drive up and let's talk about this amp thing." And just happened to be the, like the weekend Brad we were moving stuff out of Brad's house, so he helped with that and. Um, and the base, t- Tom Hamilton's base tech at the time, Jerry Sabatino helped out and, and then Brad took us all to dinner that night. So we're sitting there at dinner, this Italian place. And Ozzy's like, you know, Hey, did you tell Brad what we're doing? And I was like, no, oh, no, I hadn't said anything to him. And Brad's like, what, what are you talking about? I said, Oh, Ozzy and I are going to start an amp company. And he goes, well, I went in on that. <laughs> and I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So Basically, that's how Three Monkeys started. Um, and we started in 2007. Um, uh, and I told Brad, I was like, okay, the only way this can work is I got to quit. I can't tech for you anymore. I said, because you guys go out for at least six months a year. And he's like, I'm okay with that. You know, I said, we'll find you a good dude. Um, and uh, so then Ozzy moved down to, to North Carolina because he's like, well, you know, it'd be cheaper down there to do it than up in New York. And I wasn't moving because of my, you know, because of my wife and um, her business and Ozzy was single. So he's, he moved down and um, we did like almost a year of R and D in my, in my house, in my sunroom, basically with mm-hmm. moving blankets on the wall, you know, to de- deaden the sound. And um, we launched our amp in uh, October, 2008, basically right when the, the whole, economy crashed yeah so it was like not a good time to launch a business but um but yeah we did all right you know we did all right we did it for 10 years um and then in um so basically in 2015 uh i was wiring up a pedal board for myself which i hardly ever do but yeah i was and i always like to make my own um power cables um and basically you would, I would just take, I had this shielded cable that, um, I would just put these, you know, nine volt, um, 2.1 millimeter ends on for power cables, make them perfect length or whatever. And, um, so I'm doing this and, you know, I'm now I'm in my fifties and I'm like, can't see, you know? And I'm like, man, I hate soldering these little cables. Somebody, somebody should make these solderless. And then, so I had my computer right there. I'm like, I started Googling it. And I'm like, wow, nobody makes a solderless like DC connector. So I had always used George L like audio connectors because yeah. I like doing solderless on pedal boards because it was easy to cut the length and just, and I, I always did, I always did it with Brad's pedal boards and a couple other guys I toured with and never any issues with the solderless. Um, so I literally went out into my garage, which is my shop, and I cut a George L's quarter inch cable in half, took took the quarter inch off of it, and then I cut the two point one millimeter off of the uh, the soldered little version, and I very crudely put them together, like soldered them together, yeah, and then you know put the George L cable to it, put made two ends, and then plugged it in, and it worked. And I was like, wow! So I took photo with it, my iPhone and I sent it to Ossie, my partner. And he's like, what's that? I go, it's a solderless DC cable for a pedal board. He's like, wow, that's amazing. He's like, he's, he's like, where did you get that? I go, I just made it. And he's like, so what, what happened was we, um, we started, uh, decided we were going to market that. Yeah. And it, I went to a company that built like dual DC cables and 
it took them literally six months to tell me they couldn't do it. So, and this is like 2015 going into 2016. And then, um, so then I'm like, well, maybe I should approach it from the different end. I'll find a guy, people that do a manufacturer that does solderless stuff and see if they can adapt the audio side to this DC thing. So that's what we did. Um, eventually getting a patent on it and launched that and late 2016, maybe, yeah. Sometime in 2016, we got yeah. a patent and, and launched that. And um, it did really well. And so about a year later, we decided we had a, we have a certain way, like ours basically just screws onto the cable. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Come, that's what we have a patent on is the design of that. And so we started making quarter-inch ones and um, sold really well and started doing basically better. And the amp market was just dead. So in 2018, we shut the amps down. And um, – and we've been just a cable company ever since. And, um, you know, thank God, because when the pandemic hit, you know, I didn't, t- I couldn't tour for 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had the, you know, the, the three monkey solderless cable business to fall back on. It was doing really well. Cause everybody's at home. I was everybody at home bored, making pedal boards, like buying cables yeah. left and right, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that I mean that's basically how that is. I mean we every once in a while still build a one or, an amp one yeah. off amp or something. Um, uh, you know Brad's been using them pretty much off and on for the last you know whatever since two thousand eight. You know since we built him his first one. So. Yeah. Is he still using them on stage? Well, right now we're actually using a fractal. Uh-huh. Um, we're using an FM9 fractal, um, which is, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, uh, whatever, amp emulation. I mean, it emulates everything. It does all your effects. Yeah. It does the amp, the cabinet, um, goes straight out, you know, XLR to front of house. And um, it sounds amazing. Like, especially in the, in the in-ears, it sounds like you're playing this huge arena. Even if you're not, you know, yeah. we're playing this um, theater, this residency in this theater. But um, yeah, he's still using, I'm actually using two, a couple of Three Monkeys amps on stage, just basically power amps, uh-huh. um, just to give a little bit of sound out of the fractal. Um, so there's a little bit of air movement on stage. Um, Feel it here. Yeah. 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 And it, it, it would be, you know, and then I also, I have, um, I have a divided by 13 amp that he's had forever. Um that is like the emergency, like super emergency backup. Like yeah. if, he, if he was to, and this hasn't happened, but if he was to in the middle of a show go, ah, this, it just doesn't sound right. You yeah. know, then, you know, I've got a pedal board out there with some pedals on it. He could just plug, I could just switch him over to just going into the divided by 13. Um, and then where, it's and it'd be a real amp and, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, but the, I mean, we're super happy with the fractal, um, you know, knock on wood, it's been flawless. Yeah. Um, and I looked into the fractal before this tour and I, I actually went with a, the, uh, line six HX yep. stomp, which yep. is similar, which I have, I have, I, I actually own one of those for a while. It's actually similar to a fractal, but a lot easier for me. Right. Like I said, right. you know, I'm, I'm the last one to the party, man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I'm like, I was very against it being a, a tube amp guy. Yeah. I was like, but you know. Once we dialed up some uh, some sounds on it in rehearsals, you know, we were like, "Wow, yeah, it fucking 
it sounds like the real thing and it it reacts like the real thing you can turn your volume down on your guitar and it's still yeah. it's still there just like a real amp um and even tom you know tom hamilton's using one and i know there's guys out there that are traditionalists that will yeah. tell you like ah it doesn't sound like yeah but you know the fifty thousand people that showed up there's probably about 10 out there that hear that <laughs> right right and there's i don't think i mean there's nobody in the aerosmith audience including like you know known rock stars that i know that come to the shows that that are friends with brad or friends with me that are you know um none of them go hey man what are you guys using a fractal or what are you guys <laughs> yeah, using right. digital are you guys using digital what's right. going on i could hear it none of them yeah. they're all like hey what amp was he using that sounded amazing yeah and you're like well it's a secret man um yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know there's a lot of cool ones out there there's the the kemper and the the and the line six the helix um and um there's that quad cortex that I know some guys. Yeah, are yeah, using. that yeah, that um, thing is I mean the fractal's amazing. Um it's just a little it's a little too granular for me. Like there's just too many settings on it. I wish it just had it. It should have an easy button, you know. Yeah. Where it's just like, um, you know, just give me the I don't I like having the advanced settings, but just it would be nice if that all could get hidden so that yeah. you're just like getting an, an just intermediate. Like, yeah, like say if it's <laughs> it's if it's um if there's like a phase, say a phase 90, um, you know, stomp box, uh, emulation, yeah. you know, just give me the one knob because yeah. that's all it has. Whereas the, you know, line six, you pull that up and there'll be 10 knobs to turn. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know what to turn to make it sound like it's supposed to sound. <laughs> um, Hey man, what keeps you coming back? I know guys like we were always like, that's my last tour. Yeah. What keeps you coming back, man? I just love it. I mean, I love, I've always loved being around gear um, I like finding new gear. Um, you know, I like playing. I like the, you know, the, to me, the, it's hard to explain to anybody that doesn't do this or, um, but like the roar of the crowd, like when the, when the house lights go down, the roar of the crowd, I mean, your the hair stands up on your arm yeah. and, um, you know, it doesn't really even matter which band you're working for. It's like, there's, there's an energy, you know. That's just indescribable. Yeah. Um, and I, and also, I mean, I pride myself on doing a good job and I, I feel like I do my job well in this industry, um, no matter who I'm working for. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I just, I feel proud, you know, yeah, I've done a yeah. good, you know, I've done a great job and I, I just, I, you know, I love it. You know, the thing that I don't love is, you know, being away from home all the time yeah and you know especially if you're out with some of these bands that only do a couple of shows a week like aerosmith where we have a couple of days off in between it's like some of those days off you know you, you do stuff you yeah. know in what various cities you're in but some days it's just kind of like i'm um, in the middle of nowhere there's nothing to do and you're just like man i wish i was at home i yeah. could be at home you know in my shop building something or yeah. you know fixing the car or whatever yeah, um, yeah i get it um or you you know, you have an artist where you're kind of always on call for. Yeah, yeah. You can never plan your life. Right, right. Because you never know what happens. Uh, any plans for this year? Yeah. Um, this, that you can talk about? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this coming year, um, you know, it'll probably be a big tour. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, with whomever. Um, like you said, I worked for Cheryl Crow for pretty much all of um 2022 um well, actually 2021 or 2022 august to august i worked for her yeah. um taking care of robert kearns and 
you know, Peter Stroud and Tim Smith, um, you know, great gig, you know, I love the band and crew I've known, you know, I tech for, you know, there's two, two, two of the guys in cry love are in Cheryl's band now. Yeah. And also oddly his wife who was in, in dag is also in that band. So I've tech for all of them and other bands. Um, I've tech for Cheryl, um, just filling in for her guy. Um, you know, pretty much tech for everybody in the band, but Fred. So it's like, I got that gig, you know, whenever I want or need it, you know, if, yeah. they, if they need me and, um, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Aerosmith, yeah. um, for, for 2023. So, you know, I guess I'd, I said, uh, I said, I wouldn't be pushing a road case at 50 and, um, you know, I'm, I'm closing in on 60 now. So um, maybe I'll make it 60 is the cutoff date. <laughs> at 60, you'll be like, ah, give it five more years. Yeah. Um, during the, during the pandemic, I try not to talk about the pandemic a lot, but it's something that happened. Uh, man, a lot of people left the business. We're getting a lot of new blood in this right, industry. What right. would you tell somebody? Like, what advice would you give somebody wanting to be a tech, a backline tech and specifically? Just, um, man, keep your eyes and ears open, you know, and learn from, from learn from the dudes that have been doing it forever. Um, you know, and learn from the dudes that are new, you know, even, you know, they may know some stuff. Um, but that's what I always tell people because I always ask me, you know, well, how'd you get into this business? How you, you know, and I always say it was the hardest business to get in to, it's even harder to get out of. Yeah. It's like the know, mafia. You know, it is, it is. <laughs> it's like every time I get out, they pull me back in. I know you leave and you're like, yeah, that's it. And then you, your phone rings. You're like, how much? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My buddy, I have a buddy that uh, is a photographer and he's always like, you suck at retirement. Cause I've retired, you know, two or three times, you know? <laughs> and I thought about retiring during the pandemic. Um, you know, I was out of work for 18 months and I did a lot of, st I did a lot of other stuff, you know, I have yeah. my cable business, but I do a lot of woodworking and, um, build furniture and do stuff. And I was kind of like, you know, well, maybe I can make this my job, but you know, I'll tell you what I don't want to do is go do some nine to five, sit in a cubicle job. It's mm -hmm. not just not for me. Yeah. And I always say, man, that's more power to people who can do that. But yeah, yeah. yeah I can't, uh, I can't see myself. I can't see myself going back to that. No, no. And I did it, for, you know, when I was probably in my twenties. Yeah. Did it, yeah. Know. We all did stupid shit when we were young. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anything, anything, uh, three monkey solderless coming up, any new products are you we getting excited just about? just released, um, solderless RCAs. Um, so they're gold RCAs with the same technology that, um, for the connector, um, onto the cable. And, um, we actually have an, a triaxle cable that's double shielded, um, mm -hmm. So we, and we aimed the RCAs at, you know, basically, you know, people, you know, home studios and people with home stereos, but also we aimed it at the car audio market. Cause a lot of people that are doing like, especially these big, you know, you know, 14 power amps in a car audio thing and subwoofers and this, that, all of those connections are RCA. Um, so we've been pitching those, um, at a lot of these install places and like, Hey, you know, Hey, you don't have to buy this off the shelf, 20 foot cable when you need to go five feet. Yeah. Um, you know, you can cut this to length. So that's the newest thing we've come up with. Um, just looking to get some traction right on. in, in, in car audio for that. You know, the we, you know, quarter inch is still doing well. And so is the DC. Yeah. Yeah. I love mine. I love my three monkey Thanks, stuff. Yeah. All right, man. Where can they find you online? Uh, three monkeys, solderless.com basically. Um, and on, you know, Instagram and all that other stuff. Three monkeys, solderless. Right 
Well, you know, I don't know if you know what questions next. Oh, I do. <laughs> if breakfast was included, what would you have? Coffee. Coffee. Because I'm not a bit, I'm not a big breakfast guy. I'm like a not an egg guy and stuff. And I was always the kid that really never ate breakfast or I'd throw up at the bus stop, you know, <laughs> first, you know before I went to school. So um yeah, coffee. I just Folgers? Love, I love coffee, you know. No, uh you know, <laughs> I, just I like a them. nice latte, but um uh no for uh for you know, because I'm here, I kind of have an apartment here in Vegas, and we're doing this residency, Cafe Bustelo, that you get at the uh, at the Hispanic store. Okay, it's like a great uh, espresso grind that um, is cheap and tastes great. Right on, man. So. There you go. You've heard it from the coffee yeah. connoisseur here. All right, man. Well, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Bernie. Uh, I know I've asked you a lot to do this, and I was here. Yeah, it's here. It's awesome. I brought the bad luck and the show was canceled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, another uh, unfortunately, another uh show canceled because the uh the singer's sick. But we got to do this. Yeah. All right. We got man. to hang out. Cool. Thanks a lot, brother. Thanks, man. Right on, Greg Howard. You can find information about Three Monkeys Solderless at Three Monkeys Solderless on Instagram and online. Check it out, especially if you're a guitar player, man. Uh I'm not gonna bad mouth George L stuff. That's some really good products but i've been using the three monkeys stuff for a little over three years and i love it uh that's a little plug for greg all right guys i am done have a great day we'll talk to you next week